This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. One of the stories that I wanted to touch on today, though, of course, we uh, didn't have a chance to do much talking about it last week when the verdict came out last Friday into our federal government invoking the Emergencies Act. Of course, the headline, the overarching message here was that the government was justified uh, in invoking the act. There's other things that we can get into as well, but that that's sort of the, the main, you know, finding that everybody was interested in hearing. And uh, I, I'm not sure why. Our next guest, uh, Howard Ramos, is a professor of sociology at McGill University, and he joins us now. Howard, thanks so much for your time. I appreciate you being here. Oh, my pleasure. It's great to join you. So this conversation, given your expertise in political sociology, and I, and I say I don't know why everybody was so anxious to um, hear the finding, because to me, most people in this country, it didn't matter what Justice Rouleau said. They'd already made their minds up. I mean, it seems like we've the 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 conversation around the Emergencies Act and the convoy, if you want to take it even further, you weren't changing any minds with this report, were you? Well, I don't think it's not only just a matter of not changing minds. Uh, decision to release a report late on the day on Friday before uh, a holiday weekend uh, and then issuing something that's 2,000 pages long with 54 recommendations hardly gives any time to really engage the report, even if people were interested in, in a rapidly moving news cycle. So I, I think that, yeah, the ship has sailed. Um, largely, things have opened up. People's decisions have largely been made. And, and by design, the report was released in a way to, to assure that we don't pick up uh, much conversation on it. I think you're right. I think you're absolutely right. And I think that part of the, that's sad in a way, the fact that, you know, these findings and this inquiry that was held really isn't going to change the conversation around this situation. But But that's the reality of Canada in 2023, isn't it? Well, I think that even more concerning and, and something to watch is the civil liberties uh, also ask for judicial review, uh, the Civil Liberties Association. And so the, the the chapter hasn't completely finished, or maybe the book hasn't completely finished. There might still be another chapter yet. Um, for me, the bigger thing that Canadians should be concerned about is what what does this mean going forward for future national-level protest? And, and although the Freedom Convoy was one national-level protest, it's important to remember that in 2020, just before the pandemic, uh, all of Eastern Canada's rail lines had been shut down by Indigenous protests in support of those uh, protesting against uh, pipelines out west. Uh, and this is the kind of national level crisis that potentially in the future could have people looking at this act uh, or environmental protest or any other protest for that matter. So uh, it's opened up a can of worms for Canada and, and set a precedent that uh, isn't going to go away uh, and, and will still be uh, something that we need to engage the country to see whether or not going forward, it's a tool that uh, governments are going to use. Yeah, you make a really good point, because that was part of the work of this inquiry and of the justice, was to try and determine uh, how the act should be used, should it be changed, what kind of threshold needs to be met. And you're right, there will be more protests. So, you know, in terms of the work that it was supposed to do in that area, did it accomplish what it set out to do? Are we in a better position now to know when or if the Emergencies Act should be deployed for the next protest? 
I would I would wish that I could give you a clear answer. Uh, it's such a large report with so many different angles to it, it's hard to give you a clear answer. Yeah. Uh, one thing that I think it has done is it shows that uh, we now face what sometimes people call uh, wicked problems, which are problems that span multiple jurisdictions, multiple portfolios, uh, things that are usually siloed. And my read of the report is that the justice was basically saying we got to the point that we needed to use the Emergencies Act because of the confusion across jurisdictions, because of the lack of coordination of sharing intelligence and information. Yes. And a lot of the focus was on uh, Ottawa, but uh, in Coots there were protests, in Manitoba there were protests, and, and largely the pressure we were getting from the U.S. was because of the border crossing in, in Windsor. So, um you know, there's a lot in there to, to try and unpack on that front. The other thing that I think is really interesting to look at in terms of the report is some of uh, what it says around social media and what that means for the future of engaging, uh, you know, and knowing when the red lines are being crossed uh, in terms of uh, hype that happens on social media and, and whether that's hype that's coming from Canada or, or from abroad. And Howard, I know you've done a work around policing and the way that it affects all of this. And there's a lot of talk in the report about policing and, and a failure, really, of, of policing. Um, do you think um, we've learned? Because uh, I think if you you were talking about the Windsor situation, and I think in that situation, the police were police and it ended. And in Ottawa, they just sort of didn't seem to know what to do. And it ended up being what it was. Do you think um, policing got the right amount of attention in this inquiry? It certainly got a lot of attention, um, and I think that it deserved that level of scrutiny. I think that uh, the advantage the folks in Windsor had over uh, Ottawa was uh, that in Windsor they saw what had happened in Ottawa before uh, people took uh, yeah. action in, in, in Windsor. And, and in defense of the police in Ottawa, uh, you know, a couple of years earlier associated with the Yellow Vest, many of the organizers of the Freedom Convoy tried to mobilize people to do this a few years before the Freedom Convoy, and they failed. Uh, very few people showed up. It's important to remember that a year after, uh, you know, during the summer, there was an attempt to do United We Rule. Very few people showed up. Or even on the anniversary, when you look at the protest in Manitoba, there weren't very many people that showed up to that. So police were basically working as if they were engaging, you know, if you can call it a normal protest, when this was uh, the recipe where all the stars aligned. Yeah. Uh, to create something very, very different. So yeah. although it's very critical of the police, uh, this is why I use that language of wicked problems. Uh, as we go forward, it's important to remember that with social media, we now uh, are into new territory of, of being able to read uh, how something can amplify so quickly and so uh, so widely with support largely getting money from the U.S. And, and tying people together who normally wouldn't have been tied together in the past. So like you say, it's a, it's a monstrous report, some 2,000 pages. There's a lot in there and there'll be a lot of digging through it. But do you think, you know, as you say, going forward, what we've learned from it, does it put us in a position to respond to this better? I mean, that was one of the focuses, did, did it accomplish that? Do you think we're in a better position? Or like you say, there's so many factors at play, it's really, really hard to anticipate where things might be going. Well, it's definitely given us a framework to begin to engage. And uh, as policing, uh, as police services train people and uh, as policymakers look at things, this report definitely will shape how they uh, understand uh, scenarios like this going forward. And I think there will be an adjustment as a result. Uh, and I think that there will probably be a lot of discussion about how to work across jurisdictions more effectively. Um, but it's still the early days. It's hard to see where this goes. Uh, you, other issues can easily take 
uh, precedents, and this can easily be forgotten and, and file into the dustbins of other yeah. reports that we don't look at as well. No, you're absolutely right. Howard, thank you so much for your, uh, your time today. I really appreciate you joining us. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.